Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 27 for Tuesday, April 24th. I'm Alex Zui here today with Ray Estrada. How you doing, man? A little sore, but good as always. How are you? A little bit sore. Yeah, it was a long weekend for us. Yes. We were playing some baseball of our own. Um, you know, and we, uh, we're not here to talk about us. We're here to talk about Major League Baseball. There was a lot of really good baseball being played, a lot of really terrible baseball being played in the past week or so. Uh, so we'll talk about the good, the bad, and everything else. Um, a lot of history being made, too. So, yeah, let's, let's get right into it and start with the, the headlining story. It is the first no-hitter of 2018. Sean Manaya, I'm pretty sure that's how you say his name, uh, threw a no-hitter versus the Red Sox of all teams. How about that? The hottest team in baseball, uh, just out of the blue, taken down by the Oakland A's, I guess, their best pitcher at this point in the year. So what happened? What, what happened to the Red Sox? What, what did Manaya do perfectly to accomplish this feat? Uh, there was a lot of um or not a lot there were a couple very close plays that um that almost changed the outcome of this no hitter so we'll talk about that as well we'll go into it uh, but but what did you see what happened to the red sox basically i mean i just seen the miss bats uh, the red sox i think the hardest team to strike out or one of the hardest teams to strike out uh this year Manaya struck 10 of them out um and yeah, he he was just solid first first career complete game. But when you can strike the Red Sox out ten times with that lineup, that's uh, that's exceptional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the plays that I was talking about that were very close. There was a shallow fly ball to center field where Marcus Simeon had to run back to try to make the catch, and he did not. But they did rule it an error. I believe it was originally ruled a hit, and then they changed it back to an error. And then after the game. Uh, in an interview, Manaya said that he had no idea that he was pitching a no-hitter until the eighth inning because of that play. So I guess that's one way to shake the nerves off uh, in the middle innings there is to uh, yeah. to actually have no idea that you're throwing a no-hitter. And the other play was a close umpire discretionary play where I think it was Benintendi. For the it Red was Benintendi. Yeah, hit a ground ball where... I, I don't even remember where he was hit, but the first baseman. So it, it was yeah, it was up ahead. it was up the first baseline. Um, I believe Chapman was the first baseman. Well, no, or, Matt Olson. No, Matt Olson. Nice Wrong try. Matt. Different Matt. Yeah, twenty eight, twenty six. They look similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so Matt Olson picks it up and then dives at Ben Attendi as he's run up run out the line past him. Ben Attendi avoids the tag, but I think they called him out of the baseline. They did. Baseline. They called him out of the baseline there. Yeah, okay, cause, so my initial reaction, because we were watching it, and it was like, oh, he didn't tag him, he's safe. And then they came together, mm-hmm. and they said he was out, and then when you realized till after that they called him out of the baseline, which is a more acceptable ruling. But yeah, so that was that was interesting. That was the, that was it. That was the difference. He, he, yeah. he didn't tag him. He didn't no. tag him. Did you, did you think that was the right ruling? Do you like that, that ruling there? I'm not sure what the rule is down at the first base because I know first base has the lines, and he went out of those lines, but not necessarily because I, I I don't know because he didn't take a totally roundabout route, but he's like he I don't know it was very odd. Yeah, there's, how... I'm, there's plenty of specific language in the rule book about how far out of the the baseline 
you can you can go as a runner. Um, I'm fine with that. It, I, and the way no, I, I see I'm, it, if a I'm if a fielder is diving full body length to try to tag a runner, and the runner is too far from the baseline for a full length dive to to tag him, then you know that's out of the baseline, in my opinion. So I have no grievances there. Red Sox fans might be salty about that. Uh, but they really don't have anything to complain about other than that because they're, you know, the best team in baseball right now. They're rolling. They're rolling. Mookie Betts is back to his 2016 form 100%. And, you know, the Red Sox, in, in all of last week before uh, on their West Coast road trip, they took it to the Angels in in their home ballpark where they were also rolling. And, uh, you know, Shohei Otani made news last week, too, by not being amazing for the first time since spring training. And he left the game against the Red Sox last week with a blister. So, you know, even the Red Sox took down uh, Shohei Otani. And, yeah, the rest is history. You know, everybody is talking about if the Red Sox will be able to keep up their pace or if the Yankees will... You know, start to gain ground because the Yankees were a lot of people's favorite team in that division um, in terms of, you know, likelihood to win the division going into the year. So, you know, as it stands right now, Red Sox 17 and 4, Yankees are 11 and 9. The Blue Jays wedged in there too, 13 and 8, off to a better start than most people thought. Um, do you see, have any opinions changed regarding uh, the outcome of this division, or do you think things will kind of normalize? I, I think at least for the Yankees it'll normalize because Stanton hasn't been hitting too well early on, um, but I I think the, the Blue Jays will regress a little bit too. Although that's a very surprising start, but um, the Red Sox, I think everybody forgot about them a little bit because they didn't have the firepower that the Yankees did, but they did sign JD Martinez. They still have a, a very good offense regardless of if it doesn't necessarily have the the home run power that the Yankees have, but they have a very good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is even without Xander Bogarts for the last week yes. or so, and that's very impressive. But you know, I don't. I, there's no um, new story for them anyway. That it was really the flukiest thing to see them get no hit right in the middle of one of the hottest tears that they've been on. So uh, that's baseball for you. So congrats to Sean Manaya. Do you think we're gonna see a lot more no hitters this year, or do you think? This might be one of the few, if not the only one. I think it. I think it's hard to to predict because, um, I mean, like I said, what, what's on the thing? Twelve no hit bids past the six. Yeah. Uh, only one to do it. I forget. I don't know if we had a lot last year. I don't quite remember, but we only had one last year. That was Edison Volquez early in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, baseball. It's it's too random to say. Oh yeah, there's gonna be more no hitters, or there's not gonna be be another no hitter because. Who could have predicted that this would have been the no-hitter? Right. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, how deep pitchers are going into the ball games. Um, so basically, you know, if you've given up a hit, then that's when they're pulling you. If your pitch count's over 100 and you've, you've put in your work, then that's it. So it's a different time for sure. And um, yeah. I, I, we, I feel like we talked mostly about the Red Sox in <laughs> in this whole story here with uh, well, j- just just real quick about the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Again, just so Red Sox hadn't been no hit since 1993 when Mariners' Chris Basio did it 25 years ago. 
Um, that was three thousand nine hundred eighty-seven games since they were no hit. That, that was is that good? That that's very good. <laughs> that that was the second longest active streak. Do you know who has the longest active streak without being the no hit? The longest active streak. Um, that's gonna be a straight up guess for me. I'm gonna say the. I I have no idea, dude. <laughs> the. Eh. I can't even guess. Is it like the Angels or something? I'm I'm thinking it's a team that's probably like never been no hit or something, but I have no idea. It's the Oakland A's. It's the A's. Yeah. Cool. 4,241 games since they were last no hits. I don't know exactly what year that is, but uh yeah, it's been a, so Oakland the team with the last uh thrown no hitter is the uh team with the longest streak without uh being being no hit. Yeah, so that was not something I would have guessed because the A's have had some bad stretches in there. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is the first A's no-hitter since Dallas Braden's perfect game also. That's just another random note to throw in there. Um, yeah, so the A's, they beat Chris Sale and the Red Sox in the weirdest, most impressive way that I could have ever imagined. Uh, and, you know, we didn't talk about the A's at all there. We talked about the Red Sox, and <laughs> this whole story was an excuse to talk about them. But the A's are looking like they're not going to finish uh, anywhere near the, the top two of that AL West division. So is there anything uh, promising to talk about with the 11-11 and A's early on in this year, other than this no-hitter, or, you know, is it just kind of business as usual for a uh, are constantly rebuilding A's team. Matt Chapman uh, is looking really good, along with some other guys. All the uh, Matts. Jed yeah, Lowry. All the Matts. Jed Lowry's Jed, Jed Lowry's hot. They'll they'll uh, sell him at the trade deadline for a mid tier prospect in the name of Moneyball. But uh, yeah, no, the A's are um, the A's are they're not going to make too much noise this year. Right. Yeah, and I don't. I don't know what to say about that that division. You know, even after everything that's happened, um, you know, with the Angels, they had a, a sort of rough week last week, and they're still fourteen and eight. So, and they're in second place in that division. That's that's a very loaded division right there. Uh, the Angels, you know, to go along with their rough week, had it capped off by a pretty disappointing Sunday game, an interleague game against the Giants. Um, I don't know if it was so much of a disappointing game as a just really bizarre game for the Angels. Thanks to Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt is also doing his part to make some history here early in the season. He now holds the recorded record for longest at-bat or plate appearance uh, in terms of pitches, that is. And it must also be in terms of time. 12 minutes and 45 seconds is how long his at-bat took in the first inning of the game on Sunday. So I can't imagine that, like, in terms of game duration, an at-bat's taking longer. I mean, if there was, like, an injury or something mid-at-bat, then I don't think that counts. But um, 21 pitches to Brandon Belt and Jaime Barria making his second start for the Angels and his first start at home had to throw 49 pitches in that first inning you know, almost half of them going to belt in that one plate appearance. That ended in a flyout, by the way. I didn't mention that part. Um, but he threw 49 pitches, and 
didn't allow a run. He stranded the bases loaded. And that has to be... Uh, I, I did some research on this. I could not find, you know, any concrete, you know, data to support this. But that has to be the longest inning that any pitcher's thrown without giving up an earned run in terms of pitches thrown. Like, there's no way somebody's thrown 50-plus pitches in an inning where they don't give up a run. You know? Like, just think of how many factors there would have to be there. And, and this is runs at all. Like, I can imagine an inning where there's earned, there's no earned runs, but there's, you know, a ton of errors being made, and they're just making the pitcher work for no reason, but ends up with a clean line. No, no runs, stranded them, 0-0 zero, zero game coming out of that inning. So, you know, <laughs> that's that's almost more impressive to me than what Brandon Bell was able to do. Uh, obviously, that's a lot of pitches to Brandon Bell. I think he fouled off 12 in a row, some stretch there in that at-bat. Um, obviously, Brandon, what Brandon Bell did is something that is not some, it's not something that you will see probably ever again. Um, but man, that being able to battle through that at-bat and then get out of the inning. That that is commendable. I did not see enough praise for Jaime Barria after um, after that whole thing went down. It's all about Brandon Belt. Nobody cares about the other side of it. But I'm here. I'm here for you, Jaime Barria. I'm. I'm I've got your back. Uh, what did you did you watch any of that at bat? Did you have anything uh, that stood out to you? I I saw like the clip where they mashed it all together. They get rid of all the all the in between stuff and just like do that. It was, I mean, it was crazy. Uh, the, <laughs> like you mentioned, 49 pitches to leave the bases loaded, but 21 of those were to one hitter for one out. That's just wild. Yeah, and with that at bat too, Brandon Belt was hitting a lot of really solid foul balls. He was not getting defeated. He was hitting a lot of line drives to the pull side foul like that was it, it was looking like Brandon Belt was ready to do damage every single pitch and just wasn't getting it and then eventually flied out of course so it was an eventful game it, it really did get me thinking about you know pitch counts and especially because of what what Barria did um, you know and in looking at you know, trying to see if anything like that had ever happened before um, the closest thing that I can find was uh, Mike Fire start from last year versus the Yankees uh, when he was still with the Astros. He threw four innings with 105 pitches and no earned runs. That's like the closest feat that I could come up with. We're just throwing an insane amount of pitches without giving up any any runs. So, you know, I, I couldn't find anything even remotely close to 49 pitches in a scoreless inning. So that was the biggest takeaway for me. Um, yeah, was there anything else on, on this one that we, uh, we had to talk about here before we move on? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned, too, that the previous record was 20 pitches, and it was between none other than Bartolo Colon on the mound versus Ricky Gutierrez back in 1998, and that, at that, ended in a strikeout. So, uh, and that was a much different case where, I guess, Bartolo Colon really was in control, and managed to put him away I, very different outcomes there it's I, I when I was watching that I was kind of wondering you know how can anybody strike out after that many pitches where you must be so locked in against the pitcher you're facing and then looking at this 
previous record and seeing that it ended in a strikeout. And I'm like, all right, that's that's how it's done. That's that's how you are able to go from being completely locked in and fouling off everything to just punching out in in an instant. So uh, not as difficult as I thought, I guess. Uh, all right, let's move on here. We'll talk about some really bad baseball now. So if you're not a fan of bad baseball, I are you a fan of bad baseball? Do you like you know those anti stats that I I am very intrigued by awful baseball, include like how the Reds have been off to this season. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I like the stats around awful baseball. I don't like to watch bad baseball necessarily, but I like to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the thing, yeah, the good thing is you don't have to watch it. Nobody expects you to watch it, but we can we can talk about it and make fun of it. Uh, so the Reds are off to the worst start in their franchise history, which, if you don't know, is a really long franchise history. That's 137 years of baseball that the Reds have played back with various different names. I think they were like, what, the Red Stockings at some point. Uh, they've changed their name a couple different times in that span. Most of it as the Reds, of course. And they're off to a 3-18 and start to the season, which, you know, as expected, warranted Brian Price, the manager, to be fired last week. He's been replaced by Jim Riggleman in the interim anyway. And it's been bad all around. Eugenio Suarez is hurt. Joey Votto is off to an awful start. Absolutely horrible, uh, especially by his standards. You know, he's hitting 243, 337 on base, 257 slugging. Just one extra base hit, no homers, it, and he's been playing every day, so there's nothing really holding him back other than just a really uncharacteristically slow start, and that team has only hit 11 homers as a club in 21 games, so I I don't know where to begin here. Is there anything that makes you say that the Reds are going to pick up the pace at some point? Or is this kind of going to just be a really long season for them? I mean, it's going to be a long season. They're not going to be this bad. They're not going to – I don't think they're going to lose at a 6-1 to one rate. But um, mm-hmm. it's so it is, they're still going to be bad. I, I, I trust Votto enough to turn it, to turn it around. Ever, even great hitters have their struggles. Um, but they – outside of Votto, there's really nobody there who you're – looking at and saying, okay, they're going to turn it around. They're going to come back and contend for even like 500. Yeah, right now they're on pace for 23 wins. I'm going to take the over on that one. That's a tough call, but, you know, that's that's really bad. So, you know, we were talking about the Marlins as the likely team to end up with the worst record in baseball. How are you How are you liking their chances now? There's a, there's a real two-horse race going here yeah. right now. I mean, the White Sox are also really th- that bad, it seems, so they might be right around there. Um, I'm trying to... What other teams are off to really bad starts of the year? I, I, Those those are probably some of the likeliest candidates out there. So, which which one you got as finishing with the most losses, the worst record? I, I still think it's the Marlins, because, I mean, they, they, they don't have anything. And they're they're even more obscure than the Reds. Yeah, they're like they don't have anything. At least the Reds are probably going to hold on to all their pieces. Like the Marlins are, are probably going to look to ship Ruto, or at least people are going to ask about that and and other pieces like that. So the Marlins are, I, they're not going to add anything to 
to be better than the Reds. The Reds will essentially add a, a good Joey Votto eventually, I, I assume. Yeah, so I I still think that the Marlins are the worst team in baseball also. Um, but man, the Reds are making this interesting. They're they're trying to add some intrigue to the to the seller race. Um, yeah, all right. That's that's enough of that. It it gets sad when you start talking about it too long. So in in moderation, we'll talk about the really bad teams and we'll check in on them so they don't get forgotten into complete obscurity. All right. What we got next? Let's talk prospects or one prospect in particular who is coming up for the Yankees and that would be Gleyber Torres. It is time. He's here. This is this is it. This is not a drill. Last year there was lots of speculation that he'd come up at some point down the stretch and he got injured, had to have Tommy John surgery on his non-throwing arm, and now he's back this year. He was expected to, you know, play second base or third base for this team uh, from, you know, as early as spring training. You know, people were making depth charts with Gleber Torres in there. And yeah, this is a pleasant surprise, an early mid-April call-up for him. He did debut on Sunday, went 0 for 4, so, you know, not a newsworthy debut, to say the least, but the Yankees are are up a man, a very, very good player. He was off to a good start in AAA. I think that was a big reason why they decided to make the move. Also, Neil Walker was not cutting it at second base, so... We'll probably see a lot of Gleyber Torres. It's, he's not. He, they wouldn't bring him up if you. They weren't planning on playing him regularly. So he's up now. Miguel Andujar, who was called up a couple weeks ago as well, is starting to pick up the pace a little bit. He is. He's got like seven or eight extra base hits in his last four games or last four or five games. That's a very good pace. He went four for four in his last game. So you know this is what. We were all waiting for. We were waiting for the Yankees to somehow get better from within. Even though they went out and got Stanton and they have all the money in the world, they're just bringing up homegrown guys that are ready to to make a big league impact. So I'm excited about this. This is something that always puts a smile on my face when talking about young Yankee, you know, products that are ready to take the field. With that, too, Clint Frazier has been cleared uh, medically, that is, uh, from his concussions to resume activity. It's just up to the Yankees when to give him the green light to go here. So that's another good sign for them. Um, you know, we, we did talk about the AL East a little bit already, but um, do you have anything to say about Torres or Andujar or any of the Yankees' young players? You obviously know more about them than I do um, in terms of, like, if you can have a better prediction on what they'll do. But, mm-hmm. I mean, prospects, as many, they seem like a sure thing, and there's certainly a lot more prospects coming out that are very successful early and continue to be successful. It, you're always kind of nervous. with. I mean, not necessarily with an 0-4 start, but you're like, okay, just don't don't blow up in our face. Uh, but it he's supposed to be good, so if he does good, then if the Yankees but I mean with prospect there's always that that what if mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's been a really small sample this year and last yeah, year obviously. he was it was cut short but you know after really a start in AAA in I think 14 games he's hitting 347 393 on base 510 slugging like all just solid numbers across the board um, I th- the most important thing is that he looks healthy 
and that was the biggest concern that I think the Yankees just wanted to to make sure he could get his rhythm back. It looks like he has. He's, you know, the skills can only fall so far coming up to the big leagues. You know, he's got that that natural hitting ability. That's his his strongest tool of all of them. But you know, he plays good defense. He's an athletic guy. Has some sneaky power, and you know, he's just he's one of those like pretty good all around types of prospects. Not a lot of bust potential. He's not a guy that's you know just completely loaded in the power department but could really fall apart uh, at higher levels you know he's he's a solid all-around type of player so uh, they're gonna give him a fair crack here at the big league level and I'm gonna say right now that DD Gregorius and Gleyber Torres up the middle Ooh, who needs Manny Machado who like this is this is the team that I'm ready for uh, but no actually Manny Machado you can come to New York if you want to we'll make room so <laughs> let's uh let's you know Manny Machado I did that seamlessly Manny Machado you know you deserve credit where you've earned it because you have decided to start hitting homers every day and I wish I could do something like that I wish that more players would just decide you know what one homer a day is probably a good pace for me uh, Manny Machado is kind of up to that he's hit two homers in two of the last four games that he's played as well as five in the last four games also that same stretch so Manny Machado with that earned the AL player of the week honors and Patrick Corbin National League player of the week so both really good performances from both these players uh, Machado I think we all knew what was coming here He's had no problems adjusting to shortstop. He's going to make big money in the offseason. But Patrick Corbin is a little more interesting because he was not expected to be the best pitcher on the Diamondbacks or one of the best pitchers in the league for that matter. But he is so far this season. He's 4-0 with a 1.89 ERA and 33 innings, 48 strikeouts, and only 6 walks. So that is a lot of strikeouts in just 33 innings. So... What do we what do we think about Corbin here? Is he going to keep up this pace somehow? Is he back to that like what 20, 2014 20, form? 2013, 2013. 2014. I, I think I think he can certainly be very good this year. Um I don't think he completely came out of left field. I think he was far from a sure thing, but he got the opening day start. Um and I saw a lot, at least I saw a lot before the season where they're like Patrick Corbin looks primed to be vintage Patrick Corbin if you can call it that um so I it's not totally unexpected to me because uh I I certainly saw a lot that that suggested he was going to be uh very good so um I I I like what I see from Corbin he's said he's all he's always had the skill just injuries have have bothered him uh his last few years but if he's healthy then he'll be uh he'll be really good yeah absolutely but Patrick Corbin I guess the Diamondbacks knew, giving him the opening day nod, that this was going to be their guy, and he's been the guy. You know, we can break it down more, a lot more sliders, mixing in the sinker more. It, that just seems to be the trend all over the place when you see pitchers break out. It's just a lot more of the off-speed pitches from the repertoire at a much higher percentage, and it seems to do the trick. And when it, I mean, it's not going to work for everybody, but Patrick Corbin has one of the best sliders in the game. And, you know, I, he threw a complete game shutout earlier in the week, 
and then his last start against the Padres struck out 11. So, you know, I am from what I watched, everything was on that slider. You know, every now and then he'd he'd whiff him with a fastball because they're looking for it, but that slider is just too good to hit right now. He he can spot it at the knees, he can spot it below the knees and make you chase, make you look really bad. So, uh, there's nothing to be wary of here. He's definitely looking like an ace type of pitcher with the stuff he's bringing so yeah those are the players of the week we're just kind of rolling along with all these stories here um something else that we'll mention here in terms of uh you know interesting records or milestones is that adrian beltre who of course is chasing down a lot of records at his point in his career uh, he is now the all-time extra base hits leader among third basemen he passed george brett so congratulations to him that's a th- 1120 extra base hits for beltre that's a lot that's a lot of hits much less extra base hits so um, i'm sure beltre will possibly flag down a few more um players on the regular hits all-time hits leaderboard so we'll keep track of that and uh yeah it's, it's fun the rangers they've got Beltre and Cologne, who are the only, I believe, they're the only two players from the 90s, right? And that are left yeah, in the Yeah, baseball. we talked about that last year. Yeah, uh, and they're on the same team. Yeah. I guess that's something that you don't really think about too often. You just got to check in on the Rangers to see how those guys are doing. So <laughs> you only have to, to stop in one place for that one. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's more records to come. Um, all right, Dodger news. This is this is really up your alley here. Walker Bueller is going to be making his first start of the season and his first start for the Dodgers, right? He only pitched out of the pen last year in the short time he was up. Yeah, he only pitched nine okay innings out of the pen last season. Yeah. Uh, he's thrown 13 innings and in three starts so far in AAA and he's only given up 300 runs. That's a, just over two uh, ERA and uh, like a 1.0 something whip. So... He's been good so far in AAA. It'll, starting against the Marlins, maybe that's a good uh, introduction to the starting job at major league level. But um, yeah, yeah ex- I'm gonna have excited ser- for Walker Bueller. I'm gonna have serious concerns if the Marlins get to Walker Bueller here. I'm gonna be honest, and I don't normally overreact to uh, major league debuts, especially for pitchers. But uh, the Marlins are are a ripe team for the picking here, so. You know, I'd like to see him really shine in his first major league start. Um, yeah, the, yeah. Dod- yeah, it's funny. Dodgers are uh, ten and ten through twenty games. Last year they were nine eleven through twenty games. After twenty games, they called up Tony Bellinger, went to Game Seven of the World Series, and now they call up Walker Buehler in Game Twenty One. So coincidence, probably, but uh, that's kind of interesting to me. So Walker Buehler's going to hit forty bombs and win the NL Rookie of the Year. Whatever the uh, equivalent. Um, of for a pitcher is oh so he's gonna give up forty homers and win the NL Rookie of the Year. No 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 no. <laughs> no? Well, that would well, be pretty I, impressive. I no, not giving up. I don't know what pitching equivalent is striking out. I don't know how. Nah, he's gonna hit forty. That's what I'm saying. So you know we gotta keep it consistent here. Um, also going into Monday night's action, Brian Dozier has kind of sneakily been carrying a hit streak along since. September 22nd of last season. He's hitting every game this year, so now people are paying attention. That's 23 games for him. 
he'll try to extend that here. Who are the, who are the Twins playing, actually? Let me check on that one. Uh, they're playing the Yankees right now, as we speak. So let's see if he can do it. He's facing Masahiro Tanaka today. So, yeah, I think that's all the news that we, we had for this one. So we'll go ahead and start to wrap things up here. Uh, before we go, also, I'll mention that Danny Farquhar who is the Chicago White Sox relief pitcher who suffered a really um, out-of-nowhere, uh, you know, brain uh, injury in the dugout. That was a really frightening thing for everybody, but he does seem to be progressing well from surgery from the last reports, so uh, our thoughts are with him. Hopefully he is able to make the full recovery. We're, uh, we're rooting for him. So... With that, that is going to do it for our podcast today. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Um, we, of course, would very much appreciate any feedback you have, and we will go ahead and tell you where to to find all our other stuff. You can check out beattheshiftbaseball.com. That's the best place to find us. Um, it's got everything, podcast articles, and just whatever else we're doing. And in terms of social media, at BeatTheShiftBP, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, those are all great places to get in touch with us. So thanks again, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back later this week for the Fantasy Podcast. As always, Ray. Peace.